This episode is brought to you by Eufy Video Lock. Eufy is a smart lock with 2K cam and doorbell that's a three-in-one triple security, so you can have everything in one device rather than install many pieces on your front door. It's not just for security, but it's also for convenience. No more concerns about losing keys. You can assign passwords to your family members and see them coming back home via the integrated camera. It's easy to install and set up with just a Phillips screwdriver. It's got keyless entry, so no more fumbling for the keys when your hands are full. It also has a rechargeable battery that could last around four months, and you'll get low battery notifications before it runs out. Passcode unlocking with a remote control with 2K clear sight to see who's at your front door and control from anywhere through the app. And with enhanced night vision, you can have optimized view even in the evening. No monthly fee, unlike other brands that will charge monthly fee. You have your recordings locally and never have to pay for storage. This is the future. This is everything I love about what's happening with doors. In my opinion, this is an absolute no-brainer. I'm telling you right now, this is an absolute no-brainer. We installed them in the house, and it makes, especially when you have a family, it makes life so easy, so secure, so safe, and once again, so easy. Search Eufy Video Lock, that's E-U-F-Y Video Lock, or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. I have fantastic news, everybody. My literary masterpiece, Life of the Party, which you have not read yet, will now be available in audiobook form. The hope is you called and said you thought it was a great idea because the pre-sales are going so well. So if you haven't already, please go to burtburtburt.com and pre-order your copy of Life of the Party. Pre-orders determine how well a book does overall and if you tweet me a copy of your pre-order, I will follow you, I will favorite you, I will do your podcast, I will buy you a beer. Ask anyone in Edmonton or in Pittsburgh, I'm still on tour. Nash Tucket, Nash Mantucket, Tampa, Irvine, Philly, Des Moines, Dayton, Phoenix. My show Trip Flip airs every Wednesday night on Travel Channel at 9pm with a new episode. Today's guest, a man that needs absolutely no introduction. One of the greatest human beings on earth, Duncan Trussell. This is the birdcast. Wanna have a trampoline? I'm so lonely. What's wrong with me? <laughs> okay, we're recording. <laughs> oh, you fucking make me laugh. God damn it. I haven't talked to you. I feel like I haven't talked to you in so long. I guess I did call you the other day when I was in Costa Rica. Ah, uh, yeah, man. You did that festival? Already? Or? Yeah, I went. I went down, and we did it for trip flip. It was really fucking badass. Oh wait, I'm sorry, I got confused because um, Tom Rhodes, and I thought you were too. I, so Pete, they keep tweeting about this fest comedy festival out in Costa Rica. Oh, so I assume that you were there. No, this was the Envision Festival. It was like yoga. Okay, it's all spiritualness. What's fucking insane is, and I told you this. I told you this on the phone. But what really impressed me is that, um. I got, I got recognized from your podcast like five times. That's cool. And then when I called you and told you that I got recognized from your podcast, someone recognized me again, and I was on the phone with you. Wow. I t- I'm telling you. That's I, cool. I really think you should. Your podcast is, is, has, taken, has really taken a turn. You, I, I don't want to sound like I'm sucking your dick, but the... Uh, but I like you would. You... <laughs> I was I want to hear that sound. <laughs> <laughs> Your intros are the only ones I don't skip through. Thank you, man. You know, I thank you. I, I feel I, I um 
I don't know. The cool thing about podcasts is they, they like get you to in touch with people that you might normally meet and then you start changing. Yeah. Like if you take like, um, earlier versions of talk shows, which are yeah. all on TV, like David Letterman, I don't know, Bill O'Reilly, that model, the host doesn't change. David Letterman, over the course of meeting however many thousands and thousands of people that he's met, he doesn't seem to like his persona. It, it kind of like refines like wine That's or something. really interesting. But he hasn't really grown much as a man. No growth. <laughs> Leno, no growth. You know, but with podcasts, the thing that I love about it is I get to come in contact with these people who, you know, are so smart and have spent so much time working on relatively obscure things. Yeah. You know, like Vipassana meditation or esotericism, Gnosticism, whatever weird occulty or or spiritual stuff they're into. And you get to be around them and then you start changing. And then that, yeah. then the podcast, what's cool about podcasts is I think you could see the, the host actually going through changes that are, that maybe some of the audience might go through from listening to the, what these people have to say that you interview. That's what I think is so cool about having a podcast is you don't have to stay the same. You know yeah. what I mean? You don't have to stay the same persona. You get to be whatever you, whatever you actually are, which is, that's what a person is anyway, right? Yeah, it's really a changing thing you know chris rock before he did his special he became friends with who's the the uh the black activist who's got the fro and he always has the turtleneck on and he's got the goatee shit uh i i forget his name don't know but do you know who i'm talking about he's always on uh with bill o'reilly i don't know who it is god damn it well anyway there's so anyone everyone do the research hit pause Google it, and you'll know who I'm talking about. So uh, he's a, like a very learned man. And Chris Rock became friends with him. And he said to Chris Rock, before Chris Rock did his hour special, the one that defined him, yeah. Chris Rock, he said, why don't you come over to my house every Sunday night? I have dinner, and I have these intellectuals over. And you don't have to talk. You can just sit and listen. And he did that. And I swear to God, and I'm not doing that on my podcast. I feel like my podcast, I feel like David Letterman. I feel like I've had barely any growth. Not that I'm not saying David Letterman has had no growth in his life. I'm sure he has. But what you're saying is very accurate. But you and Joe, definitely. I mean, it's like you guys have taken advantage of the podcasting, not on a uh, promote shows, sell t-shirts kind of way, but on growing exponentially as a fucking human. Thanks, man. It's really neat, man, because it's like... But that's, to me, that's the, you know, the, uh, it's fun to think about what you can't buy. It's fun to think about what does money not have power over? Yeah. You know, and, and what it does have power over. And, uh, money, you, you, you can't buy the feeling you, of awe that you get when you're around somebody who introduces you to an idea that you've never heard before, but that helps shine a light on a part of the universe that you already always wondered about, you know? It's just like, oh, that feels, that is so incredible. Like, you just gave me something that I'm going to think about maybe for the rest of my life, on and off, you know, week after week or something. You can't buy that. Yeah. And you can't buy, it's it's cool, you know, that's, it's, 
So I think podcasting or whatever this is, it's, it gives you these kind of rushes of being around unique people and that's worth so much more than anything else and then you just get addicted to that feeling and the more addicted to that feeling you become i don't know the deeper into the whatever it is that you're doing you get into and who knows what we're doing here yeah no one even knows what it is yet we don't even know all we know is we're just part of some uh i don't know what it is some new form of media i guess that's i should go out i would like to have a dream interpreter on my podcast and Mm. i want to have the woman who wrote uh Audrey Neffenberg, and I forget her last name, but she wrote The Time Traveler's Wife. I'm obsessed with that movie. Oh, yeah. But, like, I, I should use movie. this to interview more. I just always do comics, and I feel like I feel like I don't do, like, I don't do, like, I don't do, like, good interviews, per se. Like, I don't, I'm not, like, Marin does, like, a good yeah. in-depth interview of who you are. You were great on fucking Marin, Thank by the you. way. You were fucking great Thanks on Marin. Thanks a lot, man. Well, he was cool. I was really scared about that one. Really? Yeah, because you never know, man. What if Marin leaps at you? What if you don't know, man? <laughs> that guy's got that guy has a you know he he has retractable claws, and you want those things to stay in. <laughs> but he was really cool. It was fun talking to him, and it was like he's so sweet underneath it all. But yeah, man, he is. Th- that's the thing when you realize, like, uh, excuse me, I'm turning my phone off. When you realize that you uh that you don't have to like stay in any, you could spin off. Yeah. The beauty of this stuff that we're doing here is that. It is so inexpensive to produce a podcast. It's it costs me absolutely nothing. Nothing. Yeah. Outside of like however much you pay for power. Yeah. And if you're one of those people who thinks that your ever your time is money or something, then I guess you could say whatever that is. But actually, it costs nothing, which means that experimenting. There's no real risk in experimenting with TV. They're in this predicament where they can't really experiment. Like they have to. They're putting so much money into it that they can't make, take big risks. With a podcast, you can do whatever you want. Yeah. We just did. I just released an episode yesterday called The Craftsman. Have you heard when we do this? Uh-uh. God, it's so fun. It's me, Johnny Pemberton, and Brendan Walsh. And we put on the persona of, you know, like how annoying it is when comedians start talking about their craft? <laughs> yeah. So that's what we're all doing is like talking about the craft of comedy. Brendan Walsh is one of the most interesting people. Oh, dude, he's funny, man. He makes me laugh so fucking hard because he is, he is, I, I, he, like, he just doesn't give a fuck at all. And it's so beautiful to watch yeah. someone really not give a fuck. Ah, it's the best. Those people are really good for the world, man. Yeah. Because giving a fuck what is that really, man? Giving a fuck. What would you? What that is that the right word it's, for it's, it? It's what giving a fuck is. Is it's the it's Pee Wee Herman. It's the fat kid in Pee Wee Herman. Right. It's who wants all the possessions. Yeah. Like I give a fuck. I give yeah. a fuck because I have two kids who depend on me yeah. and a wife. And I and I've never felt more stress in my entire life than right now. Right now. Right at this moment today. Yesterday, last week, I because I really do give a fuck. What's about going on? Everything. I have no fucking idea. I got. It's. I don't even like. I, I like. I'll tell you what it is. I. I think that I'm. Uh, being very candid right now, I'm extremely vulnerable because I'm like raw. Like someone said something to me last night, and I was like, I'm just giving you a heads up. I have no filter. I'm very raw. So like, you're gonna get an answer you're probably not ready right. for. We were at some dinner last night for. I don't know. Anyway. Um, I feel like I have flares go up in my head yeah. all the time, like flares of worry, like Priscilla. Pr- Priscilla's per- a perfect example. Yes. So 
she started limping again on one of her legs, and we've spent a, a great deal of money on this dog. Yes. She's had two ACL surgeries. She's had on both legs. She had both knee replacements on both legs, and she's limping again. And I just, I start obsessing about it. Yeah. It's like, uh, yeah, and then I can't shut it down. And then I, and the book is stressing me out because I'm afraid. I'm afraid that writing a book about yourself just seems like this really catty self-promotion machine mm. of like, I wrote a book about me? Right. Like, who the fuck do I think I am? Like, and I, I feel like people look at that and go, people will look at that and go, how dare you? Like, and then, I, and I'm doing stand-ups from talking about me all the time. Yes. And I feel like I'm just this fucking shameless self-promoter mm. and it really kind of whittles me down to just being a phony because I don't really actually believe I'm that great. So like, so then I just lay in bed going, I'm a big fat phony because I all I do is talk about Bert and how fucking great I'm the party machine, whatever. Yes. And so I'm fucking all caught up in that, and that's been, I've been grinding my teeth a lot. I wake up with anxiety attacks at four in the morning every fucking night, and mm. and it just starts spiraling, and it's because I give a fuck about all this shit. I was like, I I, I went to that Envision Festival and I was like, God damn it, man, there's so much shit in this universe that can get me in touch with me i need to learn how to meditate i really need to learn how to meditate because i gotta i gotta fucking pull this away let's do a meditation i don't know how to well let's, let's do one right now and the people listening can do one too a mindfulness meditation very simple man very simple okay so just sit back i know you have a microphone in your hand it's you kind of uncomfortable you need a, you need a mic stand no i could hold it okay just sit back. I'm, this is if you guys want great meditation techniques. Jack Cornfield, A Path with Heart. That's what I'm extracting this from as I remember it. You just sort of sit back. Just take a big deep breath. Just feel. What you want to... The idea here is to just you want to start feeling your body like let yourself let your mind sort of move through your body like scanning through your arms and your legs and your neck like any place where there's tension just notice it. Don't try to change it, but just notice like, oh, my neck's tight. Look at that. My, you know, my chest feels tight. And wherever you can, just bring a little space into that place where you're kind of tight. And keep taking deep breaths. What, what what you're doing here is compared to somebody hunting or somebody who's gone on a hike in the forest and is sitting at the edge of a pond and sitting very still. The more still you become, the more you can start seeing the wildlife come out of the forest. Deer, a rabbit, 
a horned thing with orange dripping eyes, mucusy eyes, thick reptile skin, fangs. And if you listen to that that thing that just came out of the woods, that's the thing that says, Your dog's sick again, Bert. This is the worst time in your life, Bert. And that's your ego. That's your mind. That's just your mind. Or in the Yoga Sutras of Patanjali, they call it the vrittis, which are called mind cyclones. And they're very, very hypnotic. And they can pull your attention completely into them to the point where you begin to think you are them. And that's their big trick. And so the practice of meditation is just simply sitting and watching these things emerge, naming them. Oh, there it is again. Anxiety, 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 anxiety. Fear, 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 fear. And you're sort of just naming them. It's called noting. Another way they put it is it's like someone sitting on the edge of the ocean watching waves come in. And the waves are your thoughts. Or the feelings that are go along with the thoughts. And those feelings and thoughts, you just sit and watch like someone's sitting on the beach. There it is again. Look at that. <sighs> Anxiety. There it is again. And you just watch and note and watch and note. And then you'll begin to see how these things, they arise. They have a peak. Height of anxiety attack. Peak of terrible thought vortex. You've thought out the very worst possible thing. And the more you watch, the more that kind of dissipates. Just like a wave. Just rushes up against the shore and then it's gone. And you just sit and you watch it come and go. Come and go. And that's meditation. That's mindfulness. So right now... As you're sitting, we'll sit first quietly for a moment. Just sort of let your thoughts come in and watch them go. We'll just do that for a moment, a minute. Now, over time, obviously we can't do this for the whole podcast, but as you're meditating, you begin to like not just watch the thoughts, but now, but now you start watching just the feelings. You know, The more you watch the thoughts, the thoughts might begin to dissipate. And as the thoughts sort of part like clouds, suddenly you start seeing your feelings underneath the thoughts, you see. And that's where it gets really interesting. And this is what Pima Chodron recommends, which is called Get, get Rid of the Storyline. So... Instead of, like, getting caught up in wh- why you're feeling the way you're feeling, oh, it's because of Priscilla or all the other stresses that a, a person experiences when they have a family, you cut away all the, the narrative, and now you just sit with the feeling itself and watch that feeling. What is the feeling? Now you're just naming the feeling, fear, you know, whatever it may be. You just start naming the feeling. Does it have a color? Does it have a shape? You begin to watch the feeling minus the storyline. 
And what over time you begin to realize is that you are feeding the feeling by recreating the storyline that usually involves worst outcomes, usually involves fixation on the past or some terrible future. And the less you do that and the more you just sit with the feeling, honestly, not trying to avoid it, just fully feel the thing itself, it starts to change. It starts to change or dissipate. And underneath that feeling is bliss underneath that feeling in the same way when it rains in LA and all the smog gets pushed down into the gutters for a second, all the stressed out actor farts, all the angry burps from half baked network executives, three inches away from blowing their brains out. All that stuff just gets and goes into the gutters for a second. And suddenly LA looks like the garden of Eden in the same way. This true self that we all have is covered by this smog of thoughts and feeling patterns that we are creating just like someone threading a necklace. And the more you stop creating it, the more that you just sit there with a feeling, then suddenly you start coming in contact with this thing underneath it all that you forgot. And quite often the first thing people will think is, shit, where have I felt? I feel like a kid. This reminds me of when I was a kid. That's what they'll think. Like, God damn it, this is that same blissful feeling. Holy shit, man. That was fucking really helpful. Cool, man. Dude. Cornfield, Jack Cornfield. Check him out, man. A uh, a Path with Heart. He's got all these great meditations in there. A Path with Heart? A Path with Heart. I'm getting that on my my Kindle now. You will love it, man. And it's just so simple. Because, you know, with Buddhism and with this kind of stuff, it can get really, like either flowery or it could get like just too woo woo. He just breaks it down in the most simple way. That's very compassionate. Like, of course you're suffering. Of course you're feeling like this. Look at Look at what, where we are. Look at this predicament we're in as human beings to think that you wouldn't be suffering or to think that you wouldn't be stressed out or tense. That's madness. Like it, it only makes sense. And, and that's, you know, cause so people have, they have no compassion for themselves, but they're just like, you know, I, so many of my friends, man, they're just like tight and they feel terrible and they're so hard on themselves because they think they're not supposed to be feeling terrible. Yeah. You know, like, what's wrong with me, man? I must be failing. I'm fucking lonely. I'm so goddamn lonely or I'm so fucking uh, scared that it's not going to work out for whatever the thing is. It's like, yeah, that's normal. And you start having you. It's like if your dog starts limping, what do you do with your dog? You take the dog to the vet. You comfort the dog. You pet yeah. Priscilla. You make you do anything you can to make her feel better. But when you start limping as a person, when inside you start getting a limp or you start getting a whatever the thing is, so many of us are like, fucking pussy. Yeah. Just shove it away. You shouldn't feel like that. You fucking... Well, you never treat a dog that way. Yet somehow we treat ourselves with, that, with a complete lack of compassion and a complete completely ignoring our symptoms completely ignoring what's going on with us because somehow we feel like we're supposed to be fucking john wayne or something and 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 all that really does is it compounds the problem the moment you just turn around and face it and admit like yeah i'm fucking terrified man i you know what i mean yeah that's what it is when you said to me when you when you started that meditation at first i was like i was like in my head i was like I can't fucking meditate on a podcast. And then I heard you say, there's no rules. I was like, yeah, there's no fucking rules. There's no fucking rules. And then I put the mic down and I have my arms and you were like, you were like, acknowledge your body. And I swear to God, I swear to God, 
my arms were locked up like I had been knocked unconscious. Yeah. You know, like when you see a guy yeah. get knocked out and his arms stiffen up? Yeah. My arms were stiff, and I was like, oh, let's relax them. And then you were like, what about your neck? And my neck relaxed. And then I looked at all those fucking problems that I'm dealing with. I just kept thinking, I want the, I want the deer and the bunny to feel safe. Because I kept seeing that serpent come out of the woods. <laughs> yeah. And I was, like, I was like, that deer and bunny are like George and Isla. Like, yeah. that's my daughters. And I was like, these fucking serpents aren't fair, man. And I, I was like, get back in the fucking woods. I see it slither off back into yeah. the woods. It's, it's amazing, man. I'm getting that fucking book. It's I feel so book. much better. I was like, you know, you, I came in here. I was like, I think I'm having a stroke today. Yeah. And I fucking, I, now I'm like, I'm not having a fucking stroke. You're fine. I mean, but the crazy thing is, man, is if you just spend that much, a tiny little bit of time. Just honestly looking at how your body feels, because your body is a reflection of your thoughts, usually. And yeah. the tension in your body is a reflection of where you're holding on inside. And just, you know, if you just acknowledge it and think, oh, wow, look at that. I am kind of stressed. It's like immediately you can relax. Immediately. When I went to this retreat and Jack Cornfield was there talking, and I'm sitting there, and I'm totally fine. And then, like, he's got the most soothing voice on earth. And he's just like, if you're lonely... Let yourself feel lonely. And I just started bawling. (laughs) (laughs) Tears were just coming down. I couldn't stop it. It was just obviously just somehow he's so good at tuning into what's really going on with people that it's like, and and tears are great, man, because that means you're releasing, you're releasing. It's all about letting go. I cried in the shower the other day in New York. I got up and I was like, and I was, I had a long day. And I got in the shower, and I was like, I just feel so empty. And I was like, and I, I feel horrible because I know my publicist, Karen's going to hear this and go and for Travel Channel. And she spent the entire day with me. Yeah. So, and I, right now she's going, why didn't you tell me? But like, I just got up, and I got in the shower, and I turned all the lights off. And I just kind of knelt, and I was like, I say prayers before I go fly, any day before I fly. And I just could, and I can have this like moment where I talk to God or whatever. It's a little bit yeah. of OCD, but... And I saw, I just saw God shaking his head at me, like, "Really, <laughs> really? Two bottles of wine last night? Oh, really? That's not what God's like." <laughs> <laughs> what I I've got to say this before I forget because I know that I you need to do you need to do podcasts at these festivals at these. You I need, want to, man. It's the next step. I'm working on it. I'm working on the live podcast. What that's going to be like. Then I'm going to start doing a podcast tour. But I just want to uh, figure out what the medium looks like because I want it to be uh, more than just a conversation. I want to figure out a way to have, you know, other angles to it that, you know, maybe the podcast tour would have a theme or the podcast tour would have a some kind of, I don't know. I don't know exactly what it is yet, but I would love to do podcasts at those festivals. And like the Envision Festival have you if you want to do it next year. I'd and they, and to. they put together a lot of festivals. They have one in Santa Barbara coming up. And and I told them, I said, you guys know who Duncan Trussell is? And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah. They, I guess you and Joe do something. You and Joe do a podcast now like once a month, right? Yeah, with Chris Ryan. Who's, who is it? I haven't listened to that Chris, yet. Chris Ryan is, uh, he wrote a book called Sex at Dawn. I, yeah, I've heard Joe talk about that, but I don't know if I've listened to that podcast either. So Chris Ryan is just this brilliant doctor, scientist. And, you know, Joe and I are like, if you give us 
enough marijuana in 20 minutes, we're talking about aliens coming out of the singularity. The beautiful thing about you and Joe together is, like, it just is so, you guys are so different types of people than anyone I ever grew up with. You know, like, all the people I grew up with, fucking, I mean, I, uh, I love them, but they're just not, they don't, they don't, they don't, they're afraid to get weird. Right. And you and Joe will get weird. We get weird. And, and it's, and yeah, and that's cool because we sort of amplify that. But I totally admit that from time to time we get too weird in the <laughs> sense that it's like, you know, it's cool to color outside the lines, <laughs> but you can't go. I mean, once you start going on the table and now you're in the carpet off the lines, it's good to have a scientist nearby who I can look over at. Who's like looking at me like, no, actually what you're saying is completely wrong. <laughs> We need that. It's like balances yeah. us out. And Chris Ryan is really good at that. And not in a, in a shitty way either, but just in a way of like, well, you know, like every law of physics that we understand it goes against what you're saying. So yeah. you're wrong in that. You need that. Yeah. You need a foil to like, you know, balance the thing out. So people do like that podcast and I, I, I love doing it. What like uh, do you do you, you, I, you do you read a lot? Well, I do, yeah. I mean, I go through phases of it, actually. But, yeah, I, I, I try to read as much as I can or listen to audiobooks, but then yeah. I get distracted. And I'll get I almost, I don't even think it's distraction. I think that I sometimes I get so overwhelmed by stuff that I read that I experience this for, immediate sense of guilt where I'm like, why haven't you been reading your whole life? Why wouldn't you just sit and do this all the time? It's so psychedelic and beautiful and euphoric to like be in contact with this level of genius if you because you know some of the books are direct access to the consciousness of some of the most intelligent humans who've ever existed on this planet and when you merge with them for a second you leave that completely altered and scrambled up you know and it's and, and the more we enter into the age that we're in and people just get into texting and instagram and they're getting their information hits from this kind of free base drug, the more you see the, the effects of that, which is that people become increasingly terrified to be human. Yeah. And But when you come in contact with, like, I don't know, uh, 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 Henry Miller or uh, Thoreau, and these were badasses. Yeah. Like they'd probably just get arrested now if they, or they'd just put a gun in their mouth. Maybe I don't know because the world would seem so scared or, or so empty to them. Maybe I don't know. That's a negative thing to say, but when you come in contact with those men, you're just transformed. It's in, to me, it's just inspiring, but it also makes it also is like, come on, man, you gotta like go for it. You know, man. I, <laughs> I'm so fucking glad I have you in my life. I don't think, I don't think, I, I didn't, I, I fuck, this, you're, you just said something that blew my mind when I understood what you said. The idea that I have fucking Ayn Rand in my living room. Yeah. Wanting to tell me something yeah. about life and I just walk by her every fucking day. Yeah. Or the fact that Ernest Hemingway is sitting in my living room. Or is fucking mind blowing. Yeah. And that I walk past him every single day and go and find out what's going on with Flight 370. Yeah. And just watch Billy 
fucking what's his name on E Hollywood fucking bullshit. What's going on with Gwyneth Paltrow? Ernest Hemingway sitting on my fucking in my living room going, Bert, I fucking lived the best life ever. Check me out. Well, you know, man, with the problem, like, I think we resist it because it's sort of like we've all been, not all of us, but me for sure. Uh, and, and we've all been, we're, we've all allowed ourselves to become domesticated. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I do not know how to fish. I can, I can fish, but I don't know how to clean a fish and I don't know how to drive a boat and I don't know how to like clean a gun and I don't know how to ride a motorcycle. And I, Oh, by the way, that is really beautiful. Riding a motorcycle is an extremely spiritual experience. I bet, man, I, I could see. And all these things, you know, they're all just things that like more and more and more have become associated with like. What? You go fishing? Oh, you must be a mountain man. It's like, no, that's just what people used to be like. These people are, are, but, you know, fucking Henry Miller, man. I keep saying this quote because I can't, I just keep thinking about this quote from Henry Miller when he's talking about fucking. He says, I will shoot hot bolts into you. I will make your ovaries incandescent. That is so beautiful. It's just like, whoa, man, now that's a guy. That's a filthy man in Paris. He wrote that in Paris. A lot of the book is great because it's just about him being hungry because that's how poor he was. So, so, But it's not whining about being hungry. It's just like what hungry people do, which is fantasizing about food or like looking what, real, real detailed descriptions of what other people are eating because he's so hungry. <laughs> One of the great writers, but like he's in Paris, flat broke, you know, just like looking at people's food, filthy. He's got lice. He's fucking prostitutes. And he's describing like, you know, sitting in the room, watching them sit up, wash their pussies before, like after he fucks them and like looking he had like watching this. He was in love with like several prostitutes, but watching one of the prostitutes he's in love with talking to other men and like noticing the way she was talking to the other men in the same way she talked to him. And it's all sounds so bleak and dark, but it's beautiful because he's fully in the moment. He's fully living life. And so you read that stuff. And, and, and if you live in a safe world, if you live in a world where you've managed to like, just convince yourself that everything's safe and you don't take risks like that, especially like that, like being with prostitutes or, you know, being like out, out in the, the deep, deep space like that, then it can become disruptive. It's not entertainment. It's disruptive. You're yeah. either forced to be like Henry Miller must have been a miserable piece of shit. Yeah. Or you're like, ah, fuck, I got to get out there, man. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. I got to I got to do more, not less. I've got to do more drinking, more going out into the wild, wild darkness and see what I can bring back. And it's scary because it's not safe and it will hurt you. And you can get incurable gonorrhea. You can get alcoholism. You can end up getting murdered. It's not safe. Yeah. It's like imagine if you and I were like house cats and sitting on our shelf, we'd have these books by like Lord Fairgon, the wild cat of the northern wilds. And you read it and you're like, my God, he had to catch his own mice. <laughs> oh, he was humping behind garbage cans. It's <laughs> scintillating, but I would never. 
<laughs> he lost a toenail. Yeah. Oh. Those get infected. No one groomed him. There was no one to comb him at night. <laughs> Whose legs did he rub up against? Yeah. Strangers? <laughs> he rubbed up against the legs of strangers and he ate fish from garbage cans. Oh. Ooh. You know, that's what it's like reading these books because you're like, you know, when, when we're at, like, you know, to, to some degree, all of us have become very domesticated. That's just what, yes. that's what society sings to you. It wants you to be domesticated. That's the song of society. If you want to know like what society wants you to be like, just watch commercials. Because people think commercials are just about selling products. They're not. They're also about tuning you into, like, here's what normal looks like. Here's a normal family buying a car. Here's a normal family eating cereal. Here's a normal family doing whatever. All kind of zany, young, cool, hip. They're hip. The dads are hip. The families are cool. Yeah. Even, this, you know, when they do show single people and stuff, it's just like we're all kind of cool, buttoned up, clean cut, good looking people, freshly showered, shaved, ready to go, greet the world, find someone to marry. And you... So that's the song of the world. That's saying to you, here's the way to be. And when you come in contact with these outsiders and they're telling you, no, that's not the way to be. Here's the way I am. And, you know, like Thoreau going out into the fucking forest, building his own cabin and living at the edge of a lake and just writing about, you know, sunlight on the lake or planting seeds yeah. and being alone like that or but it doesn't mean you have to abandon your family you can be this way with a fucking family you know what i mean this isn't about like oh leave your family and your life and that's t- it's not like that at all it's just unshackle yourself uh, as much as you can from the fear to another diet coke speaking of unshackling yourself <laughs> and going wild i'm gonna reach over and grab another diet yeah. coke <laughs> just like henry miller would have <laughs> I, you know it's so funny, Duncan. I think I think that the shack uh, that even though sometimes I'm living a pretty wild and and and, and kind of crazy life, yeah. I think still I find comfort in the shackles. I find comfort in yes in that like like uh yeah like I like when I get on a plane. I find comfort in the whiskey because I get afraid of what possibilities may lay out there. Yes. Yeah, man. I I think that comfort can be your friend. I think that the only real sin is that thing that happens where you're so out of the moment that you blink and three weeks have passed. And you don't know what you were doing, really. Like, you yeah. remember that you were doing something. And you, you can look at your calendar and you know that you were doing something. But you just weren't there. Dude, that is so... I've had, I've had fucking three weeks go by. And I'm just like, what was I up to? Like, yeah. I don't even feel like I was there. And it's so funny. I, and you re, I realized that in a moment. Like, Georgia and Isla went out. This was the other night. Uh, I don't even know when it was now. I think back. I looked, might might have been a week ago. Might have been two weeks ago. I was about to go on the road, and Georgia and Isla had taken all the sheets and covers off their beds and pillows and made beds for themselves in the front yard Aww. and were laying out in the front yard <laughs> playing, like, Princess Mermaid or whatever. Yeah. And and I was, like, watching them, and I was like, God damn it. And, then I, was, and I took a picture and t- tweeted something and and then some hater came on and was like like 
oh yeah, started fucking with shitting on me on, on Instagram. And I was like, holy crap, what the fuck was that about? And I put my phone away and I went and I laid in the front yard with them and it was that windy, you know, that windy end of winter type weather in yes. LA. Wow. Magic. And, and I laid in the front yard and I was like, dude, this is what it's. And then when you slow down, you're like, fuck, how come I'm not always slowing down? Yeah. How come I'm always running past the, how beautiful the moment is? Uh, I know, man. And that is the glory of it. Because like, what's so exciting about it is that it's there for you whenever you want it. It's just waiting for you. It's right there whenever you want it. At this moment, it's right there. And it's like one of the cool things about getting dreadfully sick is that like, if you get really bad food poisoning and you're incapacitated for a couple of days, vomiting, can't hold anything down. And then that third day when you start getting better after being really sick and, and you feel like you've got superpowers, you, yeah. you're like, oh, I can eat. I can eat. Yeah. I'm not, not. Oh, I'm getting better. Oh, fuck. Oh, wow. This is what health feels like. It feels so good. Yeah. So in the same way, a lot of people think that that experience of childhood being fully connected to the universe. Not everyone had a great childhood, but I can recall being in a swimming pool in College Station, Texas, whole day. I've got the swimming pool for the whole day. I was right outside of our place. There was someone to watch me, so I wasn't allowed by the pool unless there was someone there. To, but if there's like, there a party at the pool, that means you get a whole day at the pool. But then I knew that my dad had said that that evening we were going to a movie. So like I'm swimming in the swimming pool all day, and I know a movie is waiting for me at the end of that day. So that when you're a kid, those two things combine to... Nirvana. You're just like, it doesn't get better than this. This is yeah. bliss. I'm blowing water out of my mouth onto my brother's face. You know what I mean? I'm splashing. It's this feeling of like, ah, wow, this is incredible. And people think that that goes away, that you don't get that anymore after a certain amount of time, that you don't get that feeling of like just blissful astonishment at the most simple things. But, my friend, the truth of the matter is is that that is your birthright, and it's there for you whenever you want it for the rest of your life. You can go back to that feeling. I don't mean like being a, acting like a child. I don't mean like becoming immature or a baby, but I'm saying that sense of the pure joy that's accessible in any single moment. Not just joy, but that sense of purely being upset, purely being you know, filled with love for, for someone purely being just there minus all the dilution of the thought patterns that have been inserted into us by, you know, says time and its defense mechanisms that you, you get to go back there. Plus you have all the wisdom of being an adult when you go back there. You know what I mean? It's not yeah. just as though you go back there and you're a kid and you're powerless. Now you get to go back there with the wisdom of suffering, uh, the wisdom that came from all the trials and tribulations of being an adult. And that's the journey that they, that's, this is the journey. Um, the, the hero's journey or the prodigal son, you know, the story of the prodigal son where he's just been wandering and he comes back to his father's house. And instead of being rejected, it's like, this is all yours. This is yours. You're, you're, it's the story of finding out that you, when you thought that you were a beggar, that in fact you're a king who got amnesia and got lost in the, in the filthy world. But now you get to come back again, and now you get to appreciate this gift of life and, and this gift of the moment. 
Whereas when you're a kid, even though you're in it and you're loving it, you don't necessarily have the same thing that you get those moments where you're like, I'm out here in the front yard and the wind's blowing and I'm here with my daughters and this is the Garden of Eden. This is heaven. What could yeah. be better than this? Nothing. Nothing. How could I buy this? You couldn't. There's no price on it. You couldn't sell that for $17 trillion. No one would be able to create that situation. No human, anyway. And so it's like those moments, they're there for you. Every, for the rest of your life, you just have to slow down a little bit and start working on yourself. I got to fucking get that book. What's the name of that book again? It's the- called A Path with Heart by Jack Cornfield. I've got to get that book. I've got to start meditating, man. I feel so much better. Just that little 10-minute exercise... I feel so much more relaxed. Yeah. Like, I was stressed because I got to go do the ice house thing tonight, and I just get stressed about that because I'm, like, I'm like, I don't even know if I have any new material. Like, what? sometimes, sometimes too much stand-up can make you, in my opinion, can make you really kind of start just feeling like, feeling like, like, like I was on stage in West Palm. I was like, really? Am I, am I the most per- interesting person in this room? And it's like, <laughs> like, why am I the one speaking? Because, but I think it's just I'm so self-critical of myself right now. Yes. I am beating the fuck. You know, you're at the end of your rope when the most logical solution to all your problems is a tattoo. <laughs> you're like, I need to get a tattoo. That'll <laughs> fucking clear things up. <laughs> so, I, I was like, get a tattoo, man. <laughs> I was. I've been seeing owls everywhere. I see mm. owls everywhere i'm in the mm. dressing room at rachel ray and there's a vase and it's an owl vase and it's wow. like i'm i'm seeing owls everywhere i go and my mm. wife's like it's your totem yeah find out what an owl's totem means and it's apparently someone to watch your back or something oh yeah man owls are wild creatures beautiful raptors they're cool man they're so interesting and they're heads spin around and they make that the strangest sounds and you always feel lucky when you see one too like when you see one out in the wild it's kind of like seeing a monkey or something they're just so strange (laughs) they're luminous eyes they're they're amazing predators too we went we were we did a falconry segment in scotland and they were like yeah we'll bring out a falcon but we you really want to see some badass shit let's bring out an owl yeah. I was like, really? And they're like, yeah, I think it was like a wood owl or a forest owl or some. And this thing was huge and just, oh, fuck. It, it went, and it was like, not vicious, but it was, it went after my sound guy's boom mic and ripped the boom off and wow. flew off of it. Wow. Yeah, they're fucking interesting. When you see the expanse of their, when you see their wingspan and the amazing pattern that's on their wings when they're fully extended and you imagine being a little mouse and looking up and this thing this thing this like it looks like a tree a tree a flying tree is just descending on top of you with this sharp beak at the end and you're about to become part of that thing's bloodstream that's (laughs) wild (laughs) how come we don't have more patterns like, mm. I, I, like it seems like all animals have patterns, you know. Like, I, we, I wish we had like a pattern. I think it's we, we. Our pattern is more like creatures that make shells, and we create this shell that consists of our friends and our home and our clothes and our job, and and then that creates this pattern that that that's our the that the, the. It's like humans live in this like shell that isn't just made of matter but is also made of family and and friends and job and it all forms this kind of i don't know it it all forms this kind of 
pattern and yeah. that that's our pattern is is our our lives and we're always like recruit we're always excreting this shell in everything that we do like every action and decision that you make keeps making the same pattern in different ways over and over and over again it's curious and that's why people you'll hear people say it's just i always end up in these terrible relationships or i always end up in this it's, yeah because you're like secreting the identical shell over and over again like any other <laughs> creature only you don't live in the sea you live in some time space continuum you're like a time space continuum mollusk spinning out <laughs> <laughs> spinning out of time travel yeah me I too love man time travel i love it's the concept I, my wife believes there's two types of people people who like time travel movies and people who don't mm. <laughs> and i am a fucking someone you can give me the dumbest premise and I, it, and it'll become a, like it'll become a movie like the mm. time traveler's wife is not by any stretch of the means a dumb premise by any stretch of the means but it but just by the title itself, you think it's like a chick flick. So like yes. I, you know, so I. But I saw it in a hotel room. I literally was like, I was you, on the edge of my bed crying. Did at you the read end. the book? No. Did you? In the movie, does he go back in time and jerk himself off as a kid? No. Does he do it in the book? Read the book. <laughs> More reasons to read, Kurt. All I can think is I have all these amazing, amazing authors just sitting in my living room, just waiting. And the fucking balls, I must have like, uh, like. Would you go back in time and suck your own dick? If yes, you were yes, dick? yes. But I would go. What age would you think it was wrong to suck your own dick? <sighs> Fuck. Because uh, I automatically I was like, I go back to when I was thirteen, but I don't want to suck a thirteen-year-old's dick. <laughs> but but it is mine. But there were, I remember there, there, there were times where I, I would you, definitely... Can you imagine how confusing it would be if you molested yourself? So you have like these big swaths of time that you've blocked out and you go to a hypnotist to try to figure out who molested you and you find out it was you. And then you're just like, well, shit, was I really molested? Like sometimes when I'm watching like particularly disgusting porn yeah. and I'm jerking off, I'll just think like I'm molesting myself. Like right now, what's the difference here? I'm de- I'm molesting myself by by watching this. Yeah. And and but it is something. And I love that the time traveler's wife like addresses this interesting paradox, which is if you go back in time and fuck yourself, are you gay? Because now you're two bodies. Like if it's one ha- if it's one body, if you pleasure yourself with a male body and you rub your own penis, you're definitely not gay. But if you split into ha- like if I could turn you into two people right now, but you're both identical and you start fucking each other, are you gay? The the problem is yes because I would never let me suck my dick. Like if I showed up, I would never be like, "Oh yeah, hey man, do it. It's going to be great." I would have to be have a very convincing piece of of anything to explain. Listen, I am you from the future, and it doesn't. You're going to be fine with this. Because then, what if I got into it and then I started dating dudes like Tom Segura? Start I was dating like, yourself. Yeah, I start dating myself. <laughs> I fucking. I'd have to. I'd have to be. You get arrested. Imagine getting arrested. Going back in time, you run into your younger self. You fuck your younger self. 
you get arrested and then you have to explain to the cop, I'm a time traveler. I'm a time traveler. <laughs> Trust me. <laughs> and, he, and he's saying, and you, all you used it was to go back and suck your own dick. <laughs> what about Hitler? You didn't go kill Hitler. <laughs> You're using this awesome invention just to suck your own dick. <laughs> <laughs> that's all anyone does. Like that's what hey, guys, he puts you in prison. Hey guys, gives a time traveler and he's here to suck dick. It'd be on the news. Like we don't understand what's happening, but thousands and thousands of men have started fucking children and saying that they're time travelers. <laughs> saying they're time travelers. Oh, what a great defense if you're a child molester. No, no, no. I'm a time traveler. This is me. <laughs> and, then, and then actual child molesters would just start saying they were time travelers. Yeah, I'm a time traveler. <laughs> oh, my God. That's fucked up. Oh, my God. Mm. Oh, oh, I am so fucking relaxed right now. I'm glad. You I should go to a spa, man. I might. I might. I might. I got a conference call at 2.30. I have to pick up the girls at some point from school. But I might I might tap out and go to a spa today. Go to Burke Williams. I, I, I can't go to Burke Williams the same way I have a hard time going to therapy these days. Because I, the therapist I went to is really expensive. And all I could think was uh, I could go, I could be, I'm never going to, I'm just wasting money. And so like when I go to Burke Williams, I feel like I'm, Spending more money than if I could just go to like Happy Feet on Ventura, and just that's I just I think it's good from time to time to steam, man. Like to like that's you're right about that. I might know, go to Burke Williams. Like the combination of the steam and the and, and the and the sauna, and then getting a massage. Like somehow something about that. I mean, if you could do it, I'm not saying do it all the time, but it's good to get a massage. Like to really like steam out at least once a. Once or twice uh, every every couple months, you know it's good to do that if you can. I put on a sauna suit. There's a little no plastic. Way. Yeah, I put on sauna suits wow. all the time. All the I had one on before you came here. No way. I put on a sauna suit and laid out with with Pris on the in the yard. Wow. Just sweats, just ripping off me, and it feels That's so cool. Good. I didn't even know about those. I want one of those. Yeah, they're great. I uh, you get them. They have ones with hoods too. Now I'll look it up. Yeah, you can get them at like at at, at Target. Sauna suits and uh, and sometimes I'll put on a sauna suit and I'll jog, but I just love sweating. It's, there's something very therapeutic about sweating. Oh, yeah, I would like to go to one of those sweat lodges. Fuck yeah! I, I've heard about this. There's this new thing people are doing. It's so weird. They take I can't remember the name of the frog. It's not the frog you lick and trip out, but it's a poisonous frog. They cut your skin and they rub this frog venom into the cut, and they say that in like. 10 seconds your pulse has increased and your body is just pouring sweat like you have the like a fever like you basically you've 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 had not basically you've poisoned yourself yeah and you get this quick just incredible illness it only lasts an hour 30 minutes but you sweat i think you might puke but it just purges all the toxins out of your body and the end of it you feel so good because you've gotten all the shit out of you and this is like an ayahuasca too you know you you vomit and have diarrhea like you throw up and you like in all of these like shamanic or a lot of the shamanic rituals that involve sweating sweat lodges some form of purification something to get the toxins out of your body it's very psychedelic i mean a lot it's a funny thing man a lot of what people think is how they feel it's funny to be talking about getting toxins out of your body while you're drinking diet, diet. coke satan's fucking 
just it's like letting Satan spit in your mouth. <laughs> but but the the um the the uh a lot of what people think is that maybe depression or a lot of what people think is like just a normal part of their personality is actually having to- like being toxified. Yeah, uh, yeah, I I I realized um, I was talking to Fitz- Greg Fitzsimmons about depression. I think this was off air, but he was saying, you know, I don't, I don't so I was just talking about depression with Greg Fitzsimmons. And 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 he was saying, yeah, and he was like, you know, it might be toxins in your body. And I'm like, all all I put in my mouth are toxins. Like yeah. I don't put anything good in my mouth. Like I have a couple glasses of water during the day, but like as far as like like just and like when I did that cleanse, I did a cleanse for like 21 days and I lost 40 pounds and I felt really good and I felt really relaxed and I felt very comfortable in my skin. And I woke up this morning and I'm like, "Oh, maybe it's cuz I had two bottles of wine last night in a fucking New York strip and creamed mm. broccoli mm. and I was like, yeah, that'll do it." It's toxins, man. I need I need to get someone to deliver my food to me. I need what I need to do for real is have someone take over my life and just dictate all my actions. Like literally, like this is when you eat and this is what you will eat. This is where you're going after that. This is what you'll do from this hour to this yeah. hour. I this is what I that. don't understand. Demons possess people and ruin their lives, according yeah. to mythology. Why not angels? Why don't angels possess people? Like, angels are kind of assholes if you think about it that way. Because it's like a demon's like, yeah, I'm going to jump in, ride him like a bull, ride into heroin land. Woo! Yeah. But an angel's like, what are they doing? If demons can possess us, why can't an angel jump into our body for a month? Yeah. And at the end, you've got a six-pack. You've only been eating rice. <laughs> you've written all these beautiful letters to friends. <laughs> why not? Yeah. Why can't an angel just write the boat? They're snobs. They're like shitty snobs. Like, come into us. Yeah. I want to get possessed by an angel. I would love to get possessed by a athletic angel that doesn't come right away when it fucks. Ugh. I'm 41. I'm still dealing with that. I guess why, you know, that's the reason, one of the main reasons I don't cheat on my wife is because I would let down a woman. I would be so embarrassed. If I just hopped on them and showed them what I do now, like my, my, I would be fucking so embarrassed. (laughs) You gotta like, it's tricky, man. You gotta like, you know, that is the usefulness of those thought patterns, right? Isn't that the one time those negative thought patterns can come in handy is if you can just summon up a nice burst of like dark memory, but then who wants to be having sex and contemplating some dark thing? Yeah. What that is so, and it's like, like, I refuse to do it now. Now I just do. I last however long I'm going to last. And I, and I don't try to hold back. So I'm like, what am I holding back for? Like, I want to enjoy it. I want to really drink it in. I want to be in the moment. Like, I don't know how, why it takes her longer. I hope to God she can't fucking hear me. She's in the garage right now. And she's connected. She's coming walking in going, <laughs> you weren't so amazing this morning. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing. The whole, all my memories of sex was thinking of uh puppies with their heads cut off and nuns and it's fucking i want to just I, I wish i could go back and be me and just be in that moment and enjoy losing my virginity i didn't enjoy it at all if i think about puppies with their heads cut off or nuns i'll come instantly <laughs> i've been talking about it on stage that i can't believe that life starts with just like a uh, like 
that life that just one little uh, yeah. is like 30 years. Yeah. It seems like it should last. Like when you start a life, it should hurt or burn or yeah. something. Yeah. It's crazy to think about that, man. It's like, it, it is a, it is a, well, you know, I, does life start there? That's the big question. The big question is, does life start there? Because I don't think so, man. I think that, I think we've been in this, whatever this thing is for a long, long time, like a long time. And we, we just get amnesia and can't remember. But I don't think that it's, I don't, I don't believe that it just starts when you're born and ends when you die. What do you believe? I think that we're, well, I, I'm, I'm not positive, but it seems like we're like a, Like a, um, it's very difficult, it's weird to explain it, but it's like if you picture a wheel, and at the center of the wheel you have pure unification of all things, which is like the Big Bang, and what they just found out, um, I don't know if you heard about this or not, but they just made this big discovery. The guy that made the discovery went to my, uh, went to, went to my, uh, high school? Wow, no way. Yeah, my dad just sent me the wow. He went to my high school. That's so cool. That's yeah. a really amazing discovery because it's the what that means is or or my very rudimentary understanding of it is that it means that at one point everything that we are, everything that exists right now was a tiny 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 moat of compressed somethingness, right? Everything, was, that's what the Big Bang was. Pre- yeah. Is that, what was the, I'm looking for the email from my dad. Um, God damn it, who's Dotto? <laughs> Jesus Christ, I fucking hate. What is, what did he, he came up with something? What was it? He had a prediction that would, he. he John Kovac. John Kovac. It had something to do with these gravity waves that would exist moments after the big bang and if they could show that these things were there then it would end it would somehow point in the direction of inflation or the idea that that things went from a very tiny tiny infinitely small thing to an infinitely big thing in seconds creating this i don't know gravity waves i don't understand it at all yeah i didn't really understand it either i got the uh we had the same math teacher though god he must he must be puffed up right now. I, oh God! He's he has a new theory known as cosmic inflation. The That's what happened to his head when he heard one of his students figured out about <laughs> cosmic inflation. When we went to an all boys Catholic high school, wow! So that just—I mean, I, I like I'm—I would love to have fucking known this guy. He went to the Tampa Jesuit in the '80s. The theory went a long way to explain how the universe sprang into existence, but had never been proven until this month. Kovac, who graduated, graduated from Jesuit and eventually ended up at Harvard Smithsonian Center for Astrophysics in Cambridge, led a team that announced that they had found gravitational waves, evidence that less than a trillionth of a second after the Big Bang, the universe expanded faster than the speed of light. The speed of light, yeah. That's insane. I see thoughts like that. Thoughts like that can get me into like a spiral laying in bed. Like when I start really thinking about life and death and, and 
I love that you think that we it's all kind of it's all everything that is is already here and we just jump back in it and we go back in the loop. Yeah. I love that theory because I I I can't I can't uh I can't think of a finite life. I can't think of and you die and nothing happens afterwards. I need to know that I'm coming back. That's why I, cr- I cried at the end of the movie. This is the end. I haven't seen it. Oh, oh I'm not going to spoil it for you. It's so good. It's just so good. But it's it's like I, I, I get bummed out to think, oh, and so I just go in a box where they burn me? Like, <laughs> shut up. No. Like, think of that owl and the way that the patterns on its wings look, right? When it stretches them out. When the same way, when the universe stretches out its wings in the form of a Big Bang, there's all these patterns on on the universe. And of those patterns, you're one of the patterns right now. You're the universe stretching its wingspan out in the form of the expanding universe. And you're you're on that wingspan as this as Bert Kreischer, this this pattern, this beautiful thing that's happening and as was always going to happen in that compressed little tiny whatever that thing was before it all exploded out. You were in there too. The precursors to you were. Everything was already in there in the same way that in that lucky little sperm that worms its way into your wife's ovaries, right there was like what, what, what the, the physical form of your child and to the point where they're saying now that they can use DNA to actually get an idea of what a person's face looks like just from scanning dna that's how far it's coming compressed in that weird little bit of computer code in that little helix was how you were going to look and in the same way in that tiny tiny little mode of potentiality you were already there and here you are now and to think that you're not going to be here forever i just can't imagine that it's like yeah are you going to be the same no this shit is always changing. I mean, it's God damn it compared to, you know, uh, what what things must have looked like billions of years ago. You know, things have changed dramatically, but that doesn't mean that you cease to exist. It means it just means that you have a radical transformation again and again. You know? Yeah. I mean, come on. Let's just deal with the fact that we're immortal. I mean, the problem is that we're the, our, the form of immortality that we are isn't appealing to people. The form of immortal that we are isn't appealing to people because it involves the temporary annihilation of our physical form. So people get weirded out by that because we're so at- attached to the physical form. Yeah. So everyone freaks out. But it's like, that can't... You think just because your physical form is gone that you no longer exist? Come on. By the way, uh, uh, almost had an anxiety attack in the middle of that. <laughs> like when you got at one point, I, my stomach just dropped and I went, oh, God, I'm going back in a spiral. Let's do a breathing meditation. <laughs> what? Uh, what? Like. How? When did you start thinking like this? Like, when did you start thinking? Like, I don't know. Because like. I think that I will say I didn't – I can tell you when I started thinking like a comedian. Like I, when I moved to New York, I realized, okay, this is a transformation in me. I will be a comedian now. Everything I will do is tr- – I will try to find funny in everything. Yes. And I will see everything with a surprise at the end or a, a story or a log line. And I and, – and my my reflections on life in the in the past will always have a comedic tone, 
and I remember I remember that transformation. I was I was like 25 years old, uh, and I was like, "This is it. I'm going to be a comedian." When did you start thinking? Were you always this kind of deep, or was it like did was it like mushrooms or? Man, I don't know. I I lately I've been in really. I think just I I've like got, I've run into like some pretty interesting people lately who have sort of. I mean I don't know I just think I I'm, I feel very lucky man I'm just friends with like Raghu Marcus this guy who runs Ram Dass's foundation and he's always helping me. It's weird like he'll out of the blue just call me and without me asking him we'll start usually start talking about something that i've been wondering about it's really weird really? Man. it's really cool but like him and like a lot of other people who've been on my podcast and stuff i don't know man i i don't i can't every i don't know i i don't know when it all when you start thinking like this i've tried to pin it down before but i think that um i don't know we're just lucky because there's we have access to all this great information out there and, and we're in this beautiful time period we're in a kind of we're about to enter into this technological renaissance we're in it this is the very beginning phases of it we're going to start seeing innovation unlike anything that we've ever ever seen before yeah and we can feel that too so i think a product of being in the beginning part of that is that you start thinking even deeper than you ever did you know what i mean it's like we're we have access to all this stuff everyone's getting this stuff now in like huge doses where it used to be you would you wouldn't you wouldn't uh you wouldn't know about you wouldn't have instantaneous access to every work of philosophy and you wouldn't be able to listen to people yap about it even if they are just stoner comedians yapping about it, you know, yeah, that's us. You know yeah. what I mean? We're not, we're not Hemingway and we're not Henry Miller. We're just, I'm a stoner. You're, are you a stoner? <laughs> no, I don't know. I, I would, I think, I don't think I am. I think there are times in my life where I definitely was, but I think I am, I think I am a, I think by definition, I'm probably a beer drinker. Yeah, you just remind me of a, you know, you're, you're, and when I say stoner, I don't mean bad. I think that's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but, um, the, the, so we're getting this chance to like knock these ideas around for fun and to help each other in the process of doing it. Yeah. And then for whatever reason, these ideas get recorded and people actually listen to them. And that's so cool, man. That's really crazy. And then those people email us. It doesn't just stop there. It's like suddenly we start getting contacted from people who are like, oh, here, read this. Have you ever heard of the Emerald Tablet of Hermes Trimestagerius? Uh, no. Okay, <laughs> look at this. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then they start sending you these mind-blowing other things. Have you ever heard of the Red Book of Carl, Carl Jung? Have you ever heard of um, the Yoga Sutras of Patanjali? Or have you ever heard of whatever it is? You start getting more and more shit thrown at you. And then you read that. And then you talk about it more in this kind of like stoner, mumbly, not really sure way. And, but yet that cr starts creating this feedback loop. And th these things are happening all over the planet, man. There's all different versions of this happening where this information is rolling up through time 
coming into the technology itself, like getting absorbed by the technology, digitized and then amplified and thrown out into the world where more and more people are hearing it and having deeper and deeper conversations. And that's going to lead eventually. And I don't mean this conversation, but I mean uh, the sum total of all these things happening will eventually lead to someone having a big idea, man, a big big idea something that makes the communist manifesto look like a fucking louis l'amour book you know what i mean something (laughs) that's that that makes uh penicillin or makes any of the great society changing discoveries seem like nothing think about that is a brilliant statement because the dialogue that has been opened and i'll say just on the on the on the smallest level has changed the way I do stand up. The dialogue I have with with people on this podcast has changed the way I do stand up. It's so much more honest than it's yeah. ever been. And it's like, but if you think about it, those ideas, those thoughts, the passing around is just raising ground, raising the foundation of intelligence. It's like I was I was at a dinner last night and some girl said said something about that I'm German and Irish and that I'm not really white. And I was like, what? She was young. She didn't know what she was talking about. And I was like, she was like, yeah, all those, uh, she was like, Germany was all like, that's not white people. I go, no, that's the whole point. And I started quoting from Dan Carlin when he said, you know, when the Romans, I guess, first saw the Germanic tribes, they were like, who are these people with white hair, blonde hair and blue eyes and tall? They were, and, and the reason they hadn't intermingled is because of the fucking Alps. And that's and like these mountains that wow. separated them. And I was like, oh my god, here I am quoting, talking Dan Carlin, yeah. like to this and at a table. And now exactly. everyone's interested. And now everyone's talking about what they've read. And it's like, but it's just like because of Dan Carlin's podcast, yeah. I can I talk about yes, yeah, exactly, man, exactly. And that that's like so exciting to me. And it's so cool that those that's happening everywhere, you know. And and that's what podcasts are and that's not just podcasts man it's just this like entertainment's getting like so much better and deeper i don't know if you've seen true detective or i have not i have it all i have it all tivoed oh it's so good really so good and the ideas that they're getting out with that uh with, with that series are deep deep heavy duty nietzschean ideas and it's beautiful and honest and i don't think that those kinds of series were possible very long ago no. you know because those like you couldn't get that shit on network television because network television you'll still get in trouble if you say pussy yeah you know like you i don't know if maybe you can say pussy but you know what i mean network tv <laughs> yeah. is still terrified of everything and this medium has notoriously been the medium for ideas for like talk radio yeah. talk radio has always been the medium for uh, ex- ex- putting out your conservative view, your liberal view, your scientific view, your view on sex, and now lines of communication are opened up so, fu- like 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 unclogged arteries going to the heart, yeah. and it is, f- and people are having getting ideas, and and through it's I, it blows my mind. Well, yeah, like I had Amber Lyon on my podcast. She what? She's uh, into psychedelics. She, yeah, she's yeah CNN Emmy award winning journalist. Went to uh, South America took ayahuasca, then spent a year studying shamanic medicines, mushrooms, taking psychedelics, and now she's starting this website called Reset.me, which is a website to get 
information out about plant medicines, which is the way that you say psychedelics now instead of just say, because oh, there's so many loaded terms and it really is a medicine. But when you consider the idea, here's where it gets trippy. The, you know, oftentimes people will ask these shamans, where did you find ayahuasca? This insane combination of a bark and a root. The bark, I can't remember which is which, or bark and a vine. The bark, I think the bark is an MAO inhibitor, which means that it makes so that it makes it so that it, DMT, which is in the vine, can pass through the blood brain barrier and go into your brain. Like, if we had DMT here and I fed it to you, you could eat it and it you would have no effect because your digestive system keeps it from going into your brain. But if you took an MAO inhibitor and took the DMT, then you would trip out. And an MAO inhibitor is like uh, like uh, they always. I always see that I was on. If you are taking an MAO inhibitor, do not take. Don't this take medication. this because it'll yeah because it'll go into your brain too fast and it can fuck you up. So that's why it's really serious to not take certain medications on an MAO inhibitor because it means it'll just pour into your brain. So what's crazy about ayahuasca is here we have the the rainforest and here we have so many different types of vegetation and somehow they figured out a way to mix together a vine and a bark that would allow a very specific compound to go through your digestive system and into your brain and the odds of getting those two things to mix together it seems pretty pretty ridiculous to think that that you're going to be able to do that unless some pharmacist that's how the western mind thinks about it like maybe if a scientist went through there and did molecular scans of all the different plants oh there's dimethyltryptamine in there and oh there's an mao inhibitor in there and let's mix these two together in this perfect way and that'll create this incredible brew that'll allow you to communicate with the mind of nature well when you ask shamans well how did you guys figure out about this mix they say oh the forest told us the forest talked to us and told us that if we want to make a call to the soul of nature, here's the phone number. It's the combination of this bark and this vine, and you mix it together, and you get to communicate with entities that will transform you, heal you, and uh, help repair any kind of uh, um, psychic uh, injury that's happened over the course of your life. And when you consider that, it's pretty wild to think that the forest talked to Amber Lyon and then Amber Lyon came back to the United States and now the forest is talking through her into podcasts and spreading Holy that stuff shit. all over the entire planet. <laughs> that is fu- that is insane. Isn't that insane, man? That's fucking isn't, insane. Isn't that wild to think that like technology is just as much a part of nature as nature is? And so that technology is this kind of flower growing off of the tree of time. And that it's growing up from the, from 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 the these the emerald jungles, you know. When you consider that, that it's just this information is pulsating through nature, into these like wires and cables being transformed into fucking series of ones and zeros, which are then reassembled instantaneously by uh, computer chips and blasted into people's brains. It's insane when you think about that. I mean, that is just psychedelic and trippy. And then when you consider that the information actually has the potential to make people change the way they're acting, to change That's the- what cra- – I the idea that you can take ayahuasca and you basically – are no longer an alcoholic or drug addict. Like you, you, you go and you repair that in your brain. Yeah. And then you come out on the other side and you're like, oh, I'm good. I don't feel like drinking anymore. Yeah. 
I'm fine. Thank you. Yeah, it's cool. It's Thank really you, Mother me. Nature. Thank you, Nature. You healed me. <laughs> yeah. You're so... Nature is so interesting because it can be so vicious, yet it's so um, selfless. You know, like, it just gives us food without thought. It just it, 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 it just grows watermelons and carrots and avocados. It's amazing to think that. And, and then it just lets us cut it, you know, just chop into it and pull it out of the ground and eat it to keep us alive. It's so selfless, yet simultaneously so vicious, so deadly, yeah. so uncaring, so... So callous. Think of that mudslide. Yeah. Think of that, like, you want to hear something crazy? That morning of the earthquake, Leanne was outside walking Priscilla, and she was standing on the grass when the earthquake hit. She said it was such a different experience than being in a house and hearing the go, 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 go. She said all I heard was the rumbling of leaves, like someone was shaking the trees, and, and she goes, and I could feel the earth moving through my feet. Wow. And I was like, whoa. And she goes, it was like a religious experience. Wow. I wish I but I was in bed, naked. Naked, fucking jumped out of bed, ran into the girls' room, still naked. Is everyone okay? And they saw me naked. They're like, ah! <laughs> Worse than the earthquake yet! And then I ran and I grabbed a shirt and put it over my junk. And I'm like, everyone, is everyone okay? <laughs> oh, yeah. There's, yeah, it is. Those things are amazing, man. It really is. Really is. I'm starting to believe now more in medical marijuana. Like, I always, like, looked at it and I was like, oh, it's just people wanting to get high. I was like, I'm cool with that, too. But now I start looking at it and going, you know, why aren't, why haven't we, why have we put it in the closet for so long? Why aren't we looking into it? You listen to Sanjay Gupta and, like, families are moving to Denver to help kids with seizures. And it's like, why haven't, what was, what was the fucking hold off? There's a whole story about that. About the um, various corporations that fucked it up. Really? Yeah, it's a corporate thing. It, it had to do, I believe it had to do with hemp. Something about how hemp was... It was a, a, maybe cotton or some other industry was competing with hemp. So they got lobbyists to make marijuana seem like this dangerous thing that makes black people or Mexicans kill white women. <laughs> You know, it's just some ridiculous yeah. thing. It's there's a great book, The Emperor Wears No Clothes. It breaks down the whole ridiculousness of the marijuana prohibition, which is ending. Uh, they should have called it the Mar- the Emperor Likes Hacky Sacks. <laughs> 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 it's very healing, man, and 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 it's just one. Of, it's so funny, you know, because I know hardcore sober people who take antidepressants yeah. every day. And they will tell you that you're a drug addict because you take marijuana every day. And so it's okay for them to take a very powerful substance that is increasing the amount of serotonin in their brain so they're in an altered state. Of consciousness, but that's okay for them to do every day because the drug they're taking was approved by the government. And the and that drug, by the way, and I'm, I've never been, like, I'm all for whatever anyone's got to do to get themselves by, but, like, I mean, after witnessing Brody's kind of yeah. disembarking, 
like of 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 reality it all because he just simply stopped taking the drug yeah like that scares the fuck out of me well I, you know i see it like yeah what if you have a chemical imbalance many of us have chemical imbalances in our brain we have biocomputers surrounded by bone and it, it's a meat computer man you bump into a hard drive the wrong way and it's fucked up forever how yeah. much more so for this thing inside of our head that's composed of a quant like it's a fucking quantum computer we don't even know it's so powerful we don't even know what it's doing but it's very powerful so and it can malfunction and if it malfunctions and you're depressed all the time and miserable do whatever you need to do to get out of that state of misery so that you can experience life and joy and really yeah. get the most out of this this incarnation that you're experiencing what i find vile and unthought out and backwards is when somebody who is self-medicating every day either through an antidepressant or coffee a lot of like evangelical sober people are totally addicted to coffee like oh i'm completely addicted to coffee slurping back coffee all day long it's like god damn man that's fucking meth oh i i'm I'm really sensitive to coffee too yeah so if i have a coffee after like two o'clock i'm up all fucking night meth it's speed, motherfucker. Don't say you're sober. You're on speed. But the reason that you think you're sober is because the substances that you're taking to create very powerful states of intoxication are legal. So you're like some North Korean brainwashed fucking pig saying, as long as I take the drugs that my government says are okay to take, well, then I'm not doing drugs at all. Yeah. <laughs> I'm completely sober. Yeah. These drugs that are coursing through my vein right now are legal. Therefore, they're safe. You fucking pig. You corporatist fucking brainwashed sheep pig. You're as much a junkie as anybody else, only you think you're not because your sweet government tells you it's safe. That's spooky, motherfucker. Now, if you stop drinking coffee, taking all forms of intoxicants, then talk to me about being sober. Yeah. But I want to see you go full sober. I just get really annoyed when people judge you because you like to take marijuana every day because it helps you connect with the world and it enlightens you and makes your life. When, I'm, when I take marijuana, uh, I get cleaner. My house gets really clean. Yeah. I exercise more. I'm more productive. I feel more connected to the world. I like it. It makes my life better, and I, I, I think it's my right to do it as much as I want because it's certainly not uh, – it doesn't seem to be um, doing anything more than helping my life. I mean, yeah. at the very worst, I'm going to have to take a nap somewhere like a, in the <laughs> afternoon. Like I'm going to have to yeah. take like an hour nap maybe because I, cause I feel so tired. Yeah. But then I'll wake up and feel great. So anyway, man, I think that it's just frustrating. It's very frustrating to think that it's an illegal substance that not only functions as a great natural antidepressant, but also uh, helps kids with their seizures. It also seems to have people say, I don't know if it's real or not, but they, they say that it helps cancer. There seems to be studies coming back. And it doesn't just stop with marijuana. People who've used ayahuasca multiple times have it seems to have done something to their limbic system they have more serotonin in their brain really yeah and people who take mushrooms report like a um uh, in the the legal studies that they've done i mean obviously anyone who's done mushrooms will tell you that generally that it's helped their lives but in the johns hopkins study it came back where yeah up to a year later these people are reporting lasting profound 
positive personality changes. And these are double-blind studies, peer-reviewed studies that are showing that these substances are so beneficial to us. So I get really pissed off. I don't get sober people. I don't get pissed off at, but evangelical sober people who are yeah. still using drugs. That's like being around a Nazi. I feel like I'm around like a, like, what are you? So like, you're basically saying that unless people are paying money to corporations for their, uh, m- mood altering substances, they're criminals. You know what I mean? It's like you, what yeah. you're doing. So you're saying you're okay. Cause you're taking mood altering substances approved by corporations which basically means that if anyone has any faith in you or believes in you, they're going to become addicted to the corporate chemical that you currently are absorbing into your brain. A lot of those things really are like getting a fish hook in your brain. Yep. When those corporations get you on some shit, it just, it's, a, it's not necessarily a bad thing when it's hard to get off that shit. You know what I mean? It's a good thing for somebody working at a massive pharmaceutical company if coming off their antidepressants means the person's going to be dizzy for two weeks. Yeah. That's a good thing. With marijuana, they don't like it. How can they control it? What can they do? It grows out of the ground. If you stop taking it, you're irritable for a few days. Max. You know what I mean? Like, what the fuck? There's no fish hook there. There's no fish hook outside of, like, psychological addiction, but anyone can grow it. They don't want that. You can't plant Valium seeds. If you could, they wouldn't like it. It wouldn't be that great if you could plant Zoloft seeds. I fucking if there love was Z- a Xanax plant. <laughs> I would too. God, I would that'd be great. I love a Xanax plant. <laughs> I gotta go water my Xanax. Oh, <laughs> God. fucking picking 30 pills off like, oh, I'm going to Europe. I'd become... <laughs> <laughs> I would become a gardener. I would, I, <laughs> I would have a fucking. In, I would have a intense interest in growing a green thumb. I would be like fucking all day long, just fucking watering these fucking things. Oh my god, man, that'd be so great to, if there was like a part of the world like that, that, that's like instead of corn, it's just Xanax. Like you're driving through the Xanax fields, just oh, oh I've look, I want a heartbeat. <laughs> <laughs> So kind of crazy is that theoretically, I guess we can we grow it here yet, or do we have? Can we grow it ourselves in LA? Yeah, you can. If you get a if you get a prescription, you can you can. There's a certain number of plants. I'm afraid to get a prescription. Why? Okay. Well, because first of all, I don't. I'm not that into weed to yeah. that. I that I you know like it's not part of my daily like uh, lifestyle. But mostly because I'm afraid it would go on my health insurance mm. or my life insurance. And it would spike my rate or something. That's my fear. Yeah, I don't think that happens. It didn't really? happen. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't think that happens. But I understand people are people are a little paranoid about getting on the record. So stupid. To, I mean, not it's not stupid to be paranoid. You have a, you should be paranoid in a little way because it's been illegal for a long time. But when you consider that that we exist in a time period where we're about to have virtual reality goggles that allow us to watch baseball games from our living room as though we were there from the perspective of the baseball players yet simultaneously people are still afraid to get their name on a list because they want to consume something that grows out of the ground out of the ground wow it's so crazy not to mention that women still can't take their shirts off in public without getting arrested don't forget that that's fucking crazy it's wrong when you go to like when you go to like south beach and you see girls topless on the beach, you're like, this is how it should be. Absolutely. Oh, it makes the beach so much more enjoyable. Absolutely, man. I can't believe they've legislated the display of fucking mammary glands. 
Think about that. Are you kidding? That's the society we exist in. And everyone looks over at the Middle East and they're like, look at those savages making women wear burqas. It's like, yeah, well, I mean, we're more free than that, but a woman still can't take her fucking shirt off. Yeah. Meanwhile, any god, I could take my shirt off. I could take my shirt off right now, go wandering up the street and horrify all who pass. Horrify, horrify. <laughs> That's totally legal. It should be illegal. It should be both. If women can't take their shirts off in public, God damn it, men sure as fuck shouldn't be able to. Yeah. You know, like it's one way or the other. But the fact that that still isn't allowed, that's Looney Tunes, man. <laughs> oh, look, her tits. Oh, look, a woman showed her tits. It's just fucking glands, man. And they are beautiful and they should be appreciated. And they're fucking water fountains for babies. Can they be that bad? Isla said to me the other night, you're still sucking off your mama's teeth. Yeah. I go, who told you that? I go, you must have heard that somewhere. She goes, no, I thought it. I go, no, you didn't think that. Someone said that. You're still sucking off your mama's teeth. You're sucking off your mama's teeth, Kreischer. Yeah. God, she that's said that funny. I was like, what the fuck? Yeah. Mm. Her brain's unbridled. Do you think, uh, yeah, I mean, that's amazing to think about the fact that our lips used to be wrapped around our parents' neck. Not me. Bottle fed. Yeah. Oh, because it's, you know, this is one of the most fascinating things about racism. I had. This conversation with, I fucking want to say it was a nurse or someone. So in the 70s, formula was the, was the it, because you had formula, that had to be better than what came out of your mom's tits. Yes. So all the rich white people all went to formula. And all the uh, lower, like poor people yeah. breastfed. Well, come to the 80s, like 80s, 90s, everyone realized, well, shit, all these kids have allergies. Because wow. they don't have the immune system delivered to them by their mom's tit. Wow. So all the rich white people went back to breastfeeding. But all, all the government programs started making Similac available for the poor uh, people to get. So all the poor people went over to fucking, no, I say Similac, but like to formula. And all the rich people are now breastfeeding. So if you go to like a poor person now, guarantee their kid was on formula. And wow. all my kids were all breastfed. That's better. That's what I'm saying. We just went through this terrible period reaction to to uh, industrialism, I guess, where everyone just thought people could do better than nature. Let's replace nature with formula. Let's replace nature with Xanax, you know. And then the end result of it is that we've all got various allergies in, in all these different ways, you know. My, my, my grandmother wouldn't breastfeed because they thought it was a sin back then to breastfeed. So they'd go into the hood and get a Puerto Rican breast milk and give my dad wow. a Puerto Rican woman's breast milk. Wow. So there were women that just just stayed milking like like a fucking premium stallion. Wow. They just and milked and they f sold their milk to white people. Man, what a crazy and beautiful dimension we're in. I'm so happy to be alive. It's just so fascinating here, especially in this time period. It's like... God damn it. It's it's just so exciting to think about what the things that are about to happen yeah. and are happening. <sighs> Puerto Rican breast milk makes me happy to be alive. Shit, I have a fucking conference call. All right, man. Hey, listen, man. I got to be I'm being dead honest when I say this to you. Thank you so much for coming over today. I was Hi. in a bad spot when I was out front and I saw you. I was I was just I was like trying to white knuckle it. You have changed my fucking day. Yay! 100%. Man, anytime you want to just talk, it doesn't have to be recorded. Yeah. If you start freaking out, give me a call. 
let's chat, man. I'll do oh. the same for you if I start losing my shit. Because whenever I'm around you, I feel so much happier and relaxed because you've got such a great vibe. Dude, you got such a great Even fucking Even when you're white-knuckling it, you're still awesome. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, get that book. You're going to love it. What's the name of it again? A Path with Heart. A Path with Heart. Yeah. Do you have anything you want to plug? I'll tell this to everyone. I know that if you subscribe to my podcast, you're almost certainly have subscribed mm. to Duncan's. But if by chance you haven't, if you are my publicist, Karen, and you're listening to this, or Val, <laughs> I have a bunch of publicists now, I feel wow. like. But if, I know Karen tells me she listens to this podcast when she jogs around the park. Um, down, subscribe to Duncan Trussell's Family Hour. Is Did I say it right? Yeah. yeah. And and rate and review it, but just, I, I swear to God, your your intros are so... I literally sometimes sit there and rewind and go, did he write this out or is he just freeforming this? Ah, you are too kind, Bert. It is one of my fa- top five favorite podcasts. I listen to it all the time. And the one Thank you did you. with Natasha was just, it was Thank genius. You. I was telling you at the beginning, I, it was just amazing. And keep jogging, Bert's publicist. It's good that you have that level of discipline. I got to get out there and jog too. I'm going to go jog after this. I'm going to go conference call, pick up the girls, jog. And at the end of the day, before I go do that Ice House podcast, I'm going to fucking meditate again. Yes. And now you can also, by the way, come on my podcast now that we're, now that we're evening things out, man. I want oh, you back. I want, I want to be back. I, I, People I'm, want you back. I'm definitely, I'm definitely coming back. All right. I got to go pee. I love you, man. I Thanks, love you too, Justin. This episode was brought to you by The Machine.